we've opened up space and some time out of our day for you, would you please fill it? And would you help us to open up spaces inside of ourselves too and fill those spaces too? So again, thank you, Father, for being here. We love you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You can go ahead and sit down. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. So uh, over the past few years, I have realized something about myself, and that is that I'm a bit of a nonconformist. So basically, if I see a large group of people all doing the same thing together, I am far less inclined to do whatever it is that they are all doing together. For example, I hate name tags. Like, I can't stand them. If I go to a conference or something where there's a check-in table and someone gives me a schedule and a name tag, I smile, I say thank you, and then I look for the nearest trash can. Like, I just crumple it up and throw it away as quickly as possible. Um, this last summer, I was at a wedding, and it was a, a really hot day. It was an outdoor wedding. Uh, so I wore my Birkenstocks, which are like the opposite of flip-flops, you know, like they're nice. And I wore like a dress shirt, but I didn't tuck it in because it's Colorado, nobody does. And it was a really hot day. Uh, so the ceremony was incredible, and we get to the reception, and someone comes up to me and says, you know there's a dress code, right? And I said, no. I said, yeah, it says closed-toed shoes and tucked-in shirts. And I could not have been more delighted to have found out that I was breaking the dress code. I was so glad to hear that I wasn't doing the same thing that everybody else was doing. And did I tuck in my shirt? No, because the bride and the groom don't care. They just got married. They're not looking to see who has their shirt tucked in. That's silly. I think after thinking about it, the root of it is I just immediately have this reaction against any time a person or society tells me that I have to do something that I don't actually have to do. Like, I still have not seen The Greatest Showman uh, because so many people have told me that I had to see it. You have to see it. And every time someone told me I had to see it, it pushed it back an entire month for me. So it's going to be a very long time until I see The Greatest Showman. So again, it's this reactionary response to whenever I'm told I have to do something that I don't have to do. And there's a big societal one that I push back against strongly. And it's this idea that I have to be busy all the time that I have to have my phone on me all the time, that I have to check work emails and messages even if it's my day off. It's this constant cultural push that we have to keep moving forward and forward and forward and producing, 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 and this fear that if we ever let up, everything that we've done is just going to crumble and fall apart and be erased and it wasn't even worth it. And I just refuse to be a part of that because I've seen what that's done to some people. And I will not be another person who does their job, especially their ministry, at the expense of my family. Like, I just refuse to do that because I don't have to. Now, another cultural have to that comes up around this time of year is New Year's resolutions. And there's nothing wrong with goals. Goals can be really healthy, but my pushback against New Year's resolutions, at least 
personally is I feel like it, it's connected to that whole idea that we have to be constantly producing and moving forward. 2019's almost over. What are your goals for 2020? Because we're not worth anything. If we're not doing something, we've got to push and move forward and produce. And it's exhausting. I won't do it. Now, I've learned something as a nonconformist. If a nonconformist doesn't adult, adopt an alternative to what they're not conforming to, they're just a complainer. And I don't want to be that. So what I wanted to do this weekend is I wanted to offer to you the alternative that I've been practicing a lot this year. Uh, this is an alternative to New Year's resolutions. Uh, this is an alternative to that whole culture we were just talking about and what's really cool is we see in Scripture a really good example of this alternative right after Jesus was born and we just celebrated Christmas, so it's perfect. Now, for some context, uh, these verses happen right after the angels appeared to the shepherds and told them who Jesus was and where to find him. So the shepherds, they're looking for Jesus. And we pick up in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 16 through 19 if you want to open your own Bibles uh, and it goes like this. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Okay, so we see two uh, different things going on here. Everyone who heard these things, they wondered at it, but Mary, she took these things, these experiences, and she treasured them in her heart and pondered them. Now that word wondered, it's not confusion, like I wonder what's going on. It's this reactionary response to something amazing. It's saying, wow, that's incredible. So everyone who heard it said, wow, this is incredible. But Mary, she stopped and she took these things inward into her heart and treasured them or protected them so that she could ponder them. So to put it another way, everyone who heard these things, they experienced them and they moved on. But Mary, she stopped and she reflected. Now, reflection is something that we are not very good at as a, as a society. We move very quickly from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Apps on our phones are designed to be this constant stream of entertainment that we just swipe through over and over and over again. TV shows are released as entire series, so we can go from episode to episode to episode to season to season to season. And if I'm honest, when I like finish the very last episode of a show, it is minutes before I start the next show on my list like it is relentless and we do the same thing with our lives we go from day to day to day to week to week to month to month to year to year 2019 is almost over what are your goals for 2020 because we have to keep moving forward and pushing and producing it's exhausting if we don't stop and reflect we are missing what our experiences actually are T.S. Eliot said one time we had the experience but we missed the meaning when we experience something, there is so much going on in that moment, it's too much for us to grasp and process in the moment. Like it's only when we stop and reflect back on this experience that we've had that we're able to see the fullness of what actually happened in that moment. When we live our lives going from experience to experience to experience, it's kind of like a fireworks show. Like the first firework goes up and it explodes with this pop off in the distance and it's beautiful and it's incredible and it fizzles out and the next one comes up. But by the time the next one explodes, we have entirely forgotten what the last one looked like. And it happens over and over. So it's a series of pop, 
wow, pop, wow, pop, wow. And then the show's over, and it's cold, and it's dark, and we drive home. But to reflect, to stop and reflect, is like kneeling down to build a fire. And you, you stack the wood just so, so that there's enough oxygen that gets into it, and you light it, and you blow on it, and you stoke the flames. And once it really gets going on its own, then you just sit beside it. And you stare at it, and you study it, and you listen to it, and it's so close, you're warmed by it. And it will keep burning as long as you put fuel on the flames. What Mary is doing is she's taking this experience, and she's drawing it into her heart. Because she doesn't want it to pop and fizzle out, she wants it to burn inside of her. When we experience something, it's this very external thing. It's with our five senses that we experience things. But when we reflect on something, we draw it in our heart. Our heart is the place where we can bring our experiences to burn. They sit there, and we are warmed by them. We can sit by them and study them and watch them and listen to them. They're close. They're right there. So this is the alternative for moving from just this year to the next without stopping. It's, it's stopping and reflecting back on these experiences that we've had in this last year. Now, if we're talking about reflecting back on an entire year, that can be kind of overwhelming. Like, where would we even start? Well, I think there's wisdom, whether we're reflecting back on a day or a year, by starting with what's good. Because if we start with what's good, it gives us a clear perspective on everything else. Like if we start with the problems in our life, the things going wrong, the things not going well, the things that we're disappointed by, if we start there, those things become the center of our life. But if we start with what's good, it gives us a greater perspective. Like a lot of us here might feel like the bad far outweighs the good. And I don't think counting our blessings helps with that at all. But I'm not talking about counting our blessings, I'm talking about savoring them. Like if every good thing that God has placed in our life was a meal, uh, going through life experience to experience to experience is like sitting down to that meal, taking one bite, saying, mmm, that's good, and then getting up and going forward hoping that another meal comes by soon. And if we're living our life like that, it's no wonder that we're hungry for more good in our lives. But to stop and reflect is to sit down and eat the entire meal. And if we can step away full, that gives us a totally different perspective to view the rest of the things that we're reflecting on through. Like when my son was almost two years old, there was this day that was just filled with meetings and it was really stressful and I was feeling burdened and overwhelmed and there was all this stuff that I needed to do, but I didn't have enough time to do it because I had to be home by five because we had to get dinner on the table because at 6.30 was our small group. So there's this small window of time where we have this quick turnaround. So I rushed home and I got home and my mind was still at work even though I was actually at home and I was thinking about these things and I was just frazzled and, and overburdened by these things. And we sit down at the table and I say, okay, let's pray. And then my son, Edison, who was almost two at the time, he says that he wants to pray. So I say, okay, go ahead and pray. And so we close our eyes and he pauses and I peek at him and he's looking at everything on the table and he starts to pray. And he says, thank you, God, plate. Thank you, God, spoon. Thank you, God, chicken. Thank you, God, applesauce. Thank you, God, water. 
Thank you, God, table. Thank you, God, mama's chair. Thank you, God, papa's chair. And he looks up and smiles at us, and I am just a wreck. Like, I am a mess at this point because he showed me something. He was savoring the goodness on our table, the fullness of it. He ate it all up. And by doing that, he showed me how the things that I thought were so big were actually so small and insignificant. And he showed me how the things that I thought were so small were actually so monumentally huge that I've been taking for granted. The thankfulness of a toddler changed my entire perspective on my day. And honestly, I've been thinking about that almost every day since that happened for a year. That's what starting with the good can do. It changes our perspective when we move into thinking about the rest of the things going on in our life. I want to see if I can show you what I'm talking about. Uh, All of us here, we shared a common experience uh, today. We all woke up. Uh, I was at a conference about a month ago, and the worship leader, he stopped right in the middle of his song, and he looked at us, and he said, I woke up today. And we were like, great, we were in the middle of a song Uh, But then he began to explain how 17 years ago he was given this medical diagnosis that gave him five years to live. And for the past 12 years, he has been waking up and seeing that as a gift. When I wake up, it's like this firework goes off, it pops and fizzles out, and I move on with my day. But every morning, this guy, he savors it. And he had everybody in the room all together say, I woke up today, and we did, and we savored it in that moment, and it burned inside of us for a little bit. So I want to invite you into something a little bit different. Uh, If you're comfortable, I want to invite you to just close your eyes, and I want you to just think about that for a second. You woke up today, and that wasn't a guarantee, but it happened And everything that you experienced today, you got to experience because you woke up today. So just take a small moment and see if that doesn't burn a little bit when you draw that in your heart to reflect on it. With your eyes still closed, I wanna invite you into another thing. This is something I do every once in a while. In your mind, I want you to picture the faces of all the people that you know truly love you. Just picture all their faces looking at you right now with a look of love in their eyes towards you as they look at you. And just set like grievances and arguments aside just for right now and just sit in the experience of that love for a moment. Just let that burn. Savor it. And with your eyes still closed, I want to tell you of one more thing that I know is true of every one of us today. God loves you. The creator of everything loves you. He loves you so much he couldn't stand for there to be any degree of separation between you, so he sent Jesus to fix that. 
Jesus loves you so much that he came here as a baby, lived a life which ended with torture and a horrendous murder because he loves you. And then he came back from death to invite us to walk alongside him for the rest of our lives because he loves you. God loves you. Just let that burn inside you for a little bit. Savor that. So when we start in places like that, if we go to reflect back on a day or a year, when we start by savoring the good, it changes our perspective when we move on to reflect on maybe the more difficult things or the painful things or the disappointing things. And as we step into reflecting on those things, there's this really beautiful story in scripture that shows us God's heart for us when we move to do something like that. Uh, In Luke chapter 24, there's this story that takes place on the same day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Um, There's these two followers of Jesus, and they were walking from Jerusalem to a town a couple hours away, and they did not know that Jesus had come back yet. And so they were incredibly sad. They had just watched their friend just be tortured and killed, and they're talking about these things on the road heading towards this town a couple hours away. Uh, Jesus, he walks up alongside them on the road, but he keeps them from recognizing who he is. So to them, he's just a stranger, and he walks up to them, and he says, hey, you guys look really sad. What are you talking about? And they look at him kind of confused, and they said, are you the only person who doesn't know what's been going on in Jerusalem the past few days? And he looks at them back, and he says, well, tell me what happened. And so they tell him about their friend Jesus that they have spent the last couple years following and growing to love, and they had just watched him be tortured and killed. And he had said something about coming back on the third day, but it was the third day and nobody had seen him. So they had lost all hope. Their friend was gone for good. And in that moment, Jesus could have revealed himself and said, guys, don't be sad, I'm back. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he keeps them from recognizing him And he walks with them for two hours so that they can talk about these things that they're feeling. Now, to me, this feels like the most tender-hearted thing that Jesus does for anybody in the Gospels. Like, he could have showed them who he is. He could have told them why they shouldn't feel what they're feeling, but instead of that, he walks with them for a couple hours so that they can process out these things that they're feeling, even though he knows a reason why they shouldn't be. That's incredible. He says, you look sad, tell me what happened. I can't tell you how many times I've told myself that I shouldn't be feeling a certain way because Jesus is in my life. Like I shouldn't be sad, that person's in heaven now. I shouldn't feel anxious, God has got this under control. I shouldn't be afraid, God is much more powerful than this thing that I'm facing. But don't you see Jesus' heart here? Like, if there was any moment where Jesus deserved to be impatient with how these two were feeling, if there was any moment where he deserved to be anxious to move on to the next thing, it would be right then, like he'd just been resurrected. It was time to start telling everybody about this thing that happened that was going to change absolutely everything, but he doesn't. He walks for a couple hours with his friends, giving them the time and the space to process out these things that he's feeling. 
We can give ourselves all sorts of reasons why we shouldn't be feeling certain ways, whether those are legitimate reasons or not. But the truth is, is those feelings, they are not going anywhere. They have to come out somehow. There was this week not too long ago where all week I just felt bombarded with these thoughts and these voices in my head just telling me just terrible things about myself and people that I love, like they were tearing down my purpose and my value and my worth and just everything, you name it. It was just constant. Like it felt like I was lying on the ground and surrounded by these things. And anytime I tried to just get up, like I raise a shoulder and they just shoved me right back down. And I was just like totally depleted emotionally. And so I'm sitting at the table with my wife, Allie, and, and I tell her this and she says, well, tell me what they're saying. And I said, no, there's no point. Like, they're, they're not true. And she said, well, just tell me what they're saying. And I said, no, like, I'm not even going to give them the dignity of talking about them. I know that they are not true. There's, there's no point. And she said, well, just tell me. And so I started to, and I just broke open. Like, it was just this flood of emotion that had been bottled up inside of me, and it just came out. I was a wreck. Like, by the end of it, I was sobbing on her shoulder as she held me. And in that moment, she was there for me, but in that moment, Jesus was so tangibly there, just saying, just tell me. Even if they're not true, just tell me. It does us no good to bottle stuff up and rationalize it away because those things, they aren't going anywhere. But luckily for us, when we move to reflect on things that are maybe less good or tragic or, or painful, Jesus is walking beside us patiently and without judgment saying, just tell me what happened. You look, tell me what happened. And when we invite Jesus into those spaces, something incredible can happen. And it happened to the two people that were walking with him. So they get to this town called Emmaus that they were walking to, and it's nighttime by the time that they get there, and it's kind of dangerous in that region. So uh, they stop in that town, and they invite Jesus to stay with them that night, and he agrees. And so they walk into this building together, and they sit down to dinner, and they're sitting at this table, and there's this loaf of bread in the middle of the table. And they're sitting across from Jesus, and Jesus reaches out, and he grabs the bread, and he begins to pray the blessing that he has prayed with them probably hundreds of times before. And after he's done praying, he breaks the bread, and all of a sudden, they realize who he is, and then he disappears, possibly the coolest thing he ever does in the Gospels. And these two people, they're left sitting there at this table dumbfounded, the two halves of bread probably still rocking back and forth from having dropped after he disappeared. And they look at each other and they say this in Luke chapter 24, verses 32 through 34 go like this. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scripture? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were there with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. 
while they were reflecting with Jesus on the road, these experiences, they burned inside their hearts as they were talking with him. And Jesus taught them things and showed them things that they had not seen themselves, that they wouldn't pick up on their own. But the thing that got them out of their seats and caused them to make the two-hour trek in the middle of the dark, which was incredibly dangerous, but they didn't care because they were so full of, full of joy, was the fact that they looked over there and realized that Jesus was right there. He's back. That moment of the bread breaking and looking up and suddenly realizing there he is is so familiar to me. There have been so many times where I've sat down to talk with God about something good or bad or otherwise, and then all of a sudden there's this revelation, whether it's something he says or something he does or it's just this feeling that I get where all of a sudden I realize he's right there. Isn't it so odd and also kind of silly how we sit down to talk to God and when he shows up, we're actually kind of surprised. Even though we were the ones who sat down to talk to him and we knew we weren't talking to ourselves, but then the bread breaks and we look up and there he is. Usually that's all I need. There are times where I've sat down and God has shown me things and taught me things and opened my eyes to things, but far more impactful than all of that is realizing he is right there, because that changes everything for me. When I pick up my kids when they're scared, I hold them. I don't explain to them the logic behind what they're experiencing. I just say, I'm right here. When I was crying on my wife's shoulder, Jesus was there saying, I'm right here. When my son was praying over all the good at the table, Jesus was there saying, I'm right here. When Mary stopped that day to reflect on everything that had happened, she treasured these things in her heart. She was reflecting on all the ways God had through angels and shepherds and stars and a baby been saying, I'm right here. When we go from experience to experience to experience without stopping and looking back and seeing what actually happened, we miss out on things. But the biggest thing that we miss out on is the fact that God is right there every time. And if he is, that means he's right here. And that changes everything. When we kneel down to build that fire in our hearts and we arrange the wood and we get it going and we sit beside it and we look at it and we study it, if we invite Jesus to sit with us and savor the good with us and have a conversation with us about the things that are painful and, and tragic and difficult and frustrating, the things that make us angry and frustrated, if there is a point sitting there together that we look over and realize that Jesus is actually sitting right there with us. That changes everything. Please, don't go from this year to the next without stopping and reflecting back on the things that have happened because you might miss it. Now, it's normally at this point that I would pray for us, but I wanted to do something different. I actually wanted to lead us through a prayer that I've been using a lot this year. Uh, it's called the Prayer of Examine, and it's a few hundred years old. There's nothing specially holy about it. It's just this really beautiful and effective prayer that helps us look back on a period of time. It can be a day, it can be 
a year. Um, the next 10 minutes are not enough to reflect back on a whole year. So what I want to do is I want to lead us through this and help us just reflect back on this last day today that we've had. Uh, there are going to be moments of pauses, and that might feel uncomfortable to you, but that's just open space to reflect on things. And a lot of the things that I'm leading us into might not sound like a prayer. It might just sound like thinking about things. But the thing is, is we start this whole thing off by inviting Jesus to reflect with us as we look back on the day. So even though it doesn't sound very prairie, uh, Jesus is right there. We've invited him to talk with us and, and have a conversation with us as we do this. So I'm actually just going to sit down back here and begin to lead us through this. So we're just going to start this prayer by inviting Jesus to do this with us. So would you please pray this with me? Gracious God, I believe that I am in your presence and you are loving me. Jesus, I believe at this moment, no matter what's going on, no matter where I'm at, I am in your presence and you are loving me. Without condition or restriction or limit. So I choose in your grace to open up my mind and my memory, my entire self in this last day up to your love. Jesus, would you please help me now as I reflect back on this last day? So the first part of this prayer is we're gonna start by savoring the good. We're just gonna think back on all the good that has happened in, in this last day today. And I find it helpful to sit up straight, not slouched, um, but not rigid. As we just begin to think about what happened today that's good that we are grateful for? You woke up today. Now remember, we're not counting our blessings, we're savoring them. What are the things you're grateful for today? Who were the faces that you pictured earlier? The people who you know deeply love you. Just picture their faces again, looking at you, loving you. felt God using you? Are you kind? Are you faithful? Are a good listener?
Are you wise or insightful or, or gentle? How has he been using you? Thank the source for those things right now. What happened today that made your heart smile? Out of all these things, out of all the good in today, what's most alive for you right now? What are you most grateful for? Just take a minute and thank God for that one thing that you are especially grateful for today. So this next part of this prayer is we're just gonna look back on this day and remember the strong emotions that we felt today, whether they're good or, or bad. And we're, we're doing this very objectively. Again, we're not bottling anything up. We're not rationalizing anything away. We're not um, labeling it as taboo, like we can't even talk to God about it. But we're just looking back in this last day and thinking, what are the big things that I felt today? and maybe remembering the situations we were in that caused us to feel them. So just start by thinking back, what were you feeling when you woke up today? What were the opening movements of your heart as you started the day? Was it excitement or peace, anxiety, fear? What surprised you today? frustrated you? Did you lose your temper? Did you get defensive? Did something happen with someone today that delighted you? 
Did you feel lonely or afraid? Just think back on this last day, remembering that we started this prayer by inviting Jesus to sit beside us as these things burn. Remember the things that you felt today. So now we're just gonna pick a couple of these and bring them to God and talk to him about them. So out of the positive feelings out of the day, which one was the strongest? What, what was that feeling today that you just want to grow? That, that feeling that you just wanna fan into flame? Remember what that felt like. Go back to that moment when you felt that. Was it? Was it something someone said or, or did? Was it something that you saw? Something that you learned or heard? What was it? And now just spend a minute just talking to Jesus like one friend would talk to another. Tell him what happened that was so good today. Just stop and listen and just be in his presence like we invited him to be here with us. And he doesn't perform on command, but maybe he says something or, or does something or brings a thought to your mind. But just take a moment to be open and still and wait.
now think back to that negative feeling from today that you wish you could just let go of. Acknowledge it was there, just bring it out of hiding. And maybe you're ashamed of it or afraid of it or scared that you felt something like that, but just bring it before God and, and talk to him about why you feel what you feel. Don't worry about whether or not it's right or wrong or, or anything like that. Just open up to him. Just tell him. He's there saying, just tell me. Speak to him like one friend would talk to another. Now just take a moment to listen how God responds. If you can, try and picture Jesus' faith. Like what do you imagine Jesus doing in response to what you just shared? Let him surprise you. Just be open and still and wait to see how he responds. step of this prayer is to look forward and hope to tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a new day. You can begin all over again. So as you face tomorrow, is there anything that you want to hold on to today that you want to treasure or be conscious of tomorrow? What has life taught you today? What has the Spirit taught you today? Is there something that you need to avoid tomorrow or, or something that you need more of tomorrow? Just take a minute and ask Jesus for that right now. What is that gift or that virtue or that ability that you are especially praying for? Ask him for that.
Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for being right here, always. And thank you for being there and all the things that we've just looked back on today. Thank you for the things that you've shown people and the things that you've opened to us here in this moment. Thank you for your love and your grace and your patience with us. And thank you for speaking with us. Father, would you help us to hold on to the things from today that we need to bring into tomorrow? And would you help us to let go of the things from today that we don't need to bring with us? Father, would you give us space at some point soon to think back on the big things that have happened in this last year. But we know for a fact already you were there. But maybe there's more to those things that have happened this year that we need to spend some time thinking about. We just invite you right now to do that with us. Even though we might not be able to sit down and do that, right now we invite you to be present with us when we think back on those things. Father, thank you for being here. And it's because you're here that we worship you now.